are back with another quick turnaround, episode 18. I know we just knocked out episode 17 a few days ago, um, but I'm excited because we we did more of a Super Bowl slash hockey series last one, and we had a bunch of information update that we had wrote down that we wanted to get in, and so this is the reason for the quick turnaround. Well, gotta love it. Hey, uh, you know, heck of a game, but... You know, onto the real sports now, baseball. Let's <laughs> yeah. clarify: it's February, or yeah, February sixteenth, post Super Bowl. Football's over. Some stories still coming out about it, um, but now we're starting getting into the thick of things with college basketball, uh, men's and women's. We're kick off opening day for baseball. I wore my Louisville shirt here with Omaha on it. You know, representing uh, good right. this hey. season there. Omaha. Omaha, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha, yeah, and uh, then what else is going on, what else, we have some uh, PGAs going full throttle, some news and that, and then, Dust is settled, NCAA football coaching carousel, um, yes. and I mean, we had a, a tragedy in the NFL world at the victory parade, it has been a wild couple of days yeah we'll start out with that with the prayers to just all the victims there just a senseless violence of sounded like two guys had a dispute and decided to open fire in a crowd which is insane but um we can get to that later but just first of all just want to say prayers to the families there and um i think there was one critical or one death one fatality 22 shot one killed um i think it was anywhere eight to ten critical uh, several serious, and I mean, it's just a, a random act of senseless violence. And when you start adding in the juveniles into it, yeah, uh, gun, gun control, that's really going to help it keep it out of criminals' hands because, you know, they follow the laws in the first place. Mm-hmm. What's the shirt? Guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's stupid, man. I hate it. It's just one of those to where both sides are going to get riled up about guns, this and that, when it's just literally just two individuals decided to make a dumb mistake and everybody's got to pay for it. And you see, uh, one of the suspects was, um, apparently they're thinking he is connected into an explosion down here in the North Texas area, I think within the last week that had, it had used the same name and a person, person of interest and, Voila, up there in Kansas City for this. Mm. And uh, apparently it's a illegal immigrant. Hmm. Well, that's a that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother different <laughs> That was just what I read, thought I'd throw it in there, so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's one of those two to what just happened to just throwing hands these days, you know? Why does everything have to lead to a gunfight? Why don't you just throw hands, one person get their butt whooped? Dust yourself off and walk away. Everybody's everybody gets to go home that day. But get no, your butt get get up, shake hands. All right, you win. I'm out. Yeah, and now it's just like who's who can draw faster, you know? And it's just it's dumb, you know. And I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for it. Just dumb people making dumb mistakes, and just just to think that that's the place you want to do it at, you know, in the yeah. midst of a crowd with. What they say, a million people to show up or something there? They expect it, whatever. And especially kids around, like, come on. 
Mm-hmm. It's just that's just people who aren't thinking straight, and then you're going to take away guns from people who are thinking straight. Yeah, because the people who aren't thinking straight aren't going to pay attention to your laws. But anywho, yeah, I digress on that. It's just it just makes me mad that that two people can stir up a whole country just by their tiff, you know. Uh, but kudos to those fans that tackled that guy. I think he was one of the suspects. Mm-hmm. I think I saw where somebody said, get those guys a ring, a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> that would be sick if they got one, wouldn't it? Right. But, yeah, what kudos want, to those uh, people. A ring that. or a Taylor Swift autograph? Give me a ring. I'd take the Taylor Swift. No, I'm just... <laughs> okay, this is done. <laughs> you, I was Swifty. Trying to- I was trying to hype up uh, when I was watching the Super Bowl with my wife and my cousin's wife. We were all and cousin were all watching it together. And I was like, "He's about to propose on the fifty-yard line if they win it." And they're like, "Be quiet! We don't hear that. It's happening! It's happening!" So just trying to hype them up. <laughs> Travis Swift. That sounds okay. He seems like a guy that would hyphenate his name. Oh no, he would just straight just pull on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he probably Travis, would. Probably. What is it? Travis Pfizer Swift. There we yeah. Go. <laughs> well, kudos to them for the Chiefs winning. You know, we'll get we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. We'll start off with the uh, uh, the dust settling in college football. I mean, this has been kind of finalized for a little bit, but we're finally getting to it. Uh, but the carousel has finally stopped. It seems like uh, I can read off all these names of where the coaches went went to and came from and this guy bill trochi of sporting news he kind of graded each one so i can i can go by each one and just see what your thoughts are and then i'll tell you the grade that this guy gave him yeah duke has hired penn state's defensive coordinator manny diaz probably don't know much about that but duke lost their their coach uh and hired penn state's dc what's your grade on that let's just see if you're close B minus. It's a B. So good job. I know we probably have no idea who Manny Diaz is, but <laughs> we'll find out and see how he handles Duke. Duke's been one of those programs, though, to where they've been kind of on the on the fringe mm-hmm. of being really good, you know, really recently. And uh, I guess that's why their coach finally got a better hiring spot. But hopefully they can continue that at Duke. So rooting for them. Uh, Houston, this is a big one. Houston has hired Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz, uh, who in the last two years, Went 23 and four at Tulane. What's your grade on that one? B plus. Gave him an A minus. Uh, Tulane's been hot lately. They beat USC in the what was what bowl was that? They beat USC in. That was great. Yeah. Last two minutes of that game. I don't know if anybody's saying that was two years ago. I think. And. Top-notch coach going to Houston, who's now in the Big 12. I uh, look for him to maybe take over. And since OU and Texas is leaving, it's kind of cleared the room to see who's going to take over top spot in Big 12. Now it's kind of just an open board now. Is uh, is Tulane still Conference USA? I think so, yeah. Okay, that, that was my biggest reason for it, B+. Okay, guys, he's had a good track record. He's, you know, 23-4. and four. That's, that's a heck of an accomplishment in itself. And uh, just, you know, being in the Conference USA when I was at TCU, you know, I just kind of know how it is, how it rolls. So, I mean, nothing against him. Not knocking him. Sure, he's a great coach, but that was my my reason. Yeah, they they are held to not a higher standard. You know, you'll have a Conference USA team that's 
say like basketball's 20 and five to where big 12 teams 20 and five well that conference usa team is probably going to be 24 25 ranking to where the big 12 is going to be fourth fifth or sixth just because of the competition they play day in and day out it is different nothing to them it's just the way it is uh indiana has hired James Madison's head coach, Kurt Signiti, who uh, in the last two years went 19-4 and four with JMU. Thoughts on that? And they got their first bowl. Is that the same one? Victory. Yeah, this is JMU. Yeah, this is the one that yeah. uh, they've been transferring over and had to sit out a year and didn't think they were bowl eligible until not enough teams had a 6-6 six and six record, and then they got to move into a spot. Um. Indiana, I'd say they probably gave him a B, B plus. Yeah, he gave him a B. Uh, James Madison, if you didn't know, they were they were undefeated going through two weeks left in the season, and they were talking about putting them. You know, why didn't they get a chance? Why didn't they get a chance? They were a big story, and then got beat by I think it was Appalachian State. Yeah. I want to say, and uh, kind of ended their hopes of being a Cinderella story. But that was the I, I hate that. Huh. That was the week where Pat McAfee was on the show, got them all wrapped up. Happy State! Yeah, yeah, and everybody's booing him. He's at James Madison. He's like, I'm going Appalachian State. Or was it just Buddy? His buddy was on there and just absolutely put on all the the yellow and everything right in the midst of all the purple they had there. Uh, I hate that for JMU, though, to where your coach was 19-4 and four in the last two years and you're trying to make this transition to, you know, from a mid-major to, you know, top FBS um and then you lose your head coach, which you knew that's going to happen. That's the that's the sad part of a smaller school is your your coach is always looking to get poached by bigger schools. And going to Indiana, Indiana's been up and down, you know, ever since uh, what's his name left for the head coaching job at uh, Washington. What's his name now at Alabama? We'll get to that. Uh, Indiana has been down recently, but they're one of those dark nights every night every year. You know, Big Ten kind of has one or two teams in there that challenges uh michigan or ohio state for first place of the east or west but yeah i think that's a good hire on indiana uh, michigan state has hired oregon state's head coach jonathan smith uh who went in the last two years 18 and 7 and was fighting for a pac-12 championship last year um hey give him an a minus so yeah you're on par for these so Michigan State looking to make a splash. Uh, Oregon State is actually coming into Big Big Ten, right? They're one of the four or five Pac-12 teams coming in. I think I so. Who staying? Who are there's like two teams that didn't make it in. Uh, yeah. Did US USC go or did they stay? USC went, yeah, for sure. Did they? You look there's like two teams, and I can't remember their. Was it Washington State? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been Washington State, and I thought it was like Oregon State. I thought it was those two teams. But, yeah, it says here, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington have decided to go to the Big Ten. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah have chosen to head to the Big 12. So that leaves out Oregon State and Washington State. So I think that's a two-team. I think they're going to keep that two-team Pac-12 for one year. So yeah, 50-50 odds on picking a Pac-12 championship <laughs> team. I know who's going to make the championship game. <laughs> yeah, I think what they're doing is they're adding Mountain West teams to their 
schedule, and they're going to pretty much be like an honorary Mountain West team, but they're going to be considered Pac-12. Uh, but he, I guess he's getting out of there before that fire sale with Oregon State not being ended up in any big school. So good for Jonathan Smith, good for Michigan State. Sucks to be you, Oregon State, who's had actually a really good year and just fell short to, I think, losing to Washington and Oregon, I think, were the two teams they got beat by. But, yeah, uh, Mississippi State hires Oklahoma OC Jeff Libby. So there goes the OC for Oklahoma, um, Mississippi State, SEC. You know, you can't blame Libby, Libby for leaving an OC job for a head job in the SEC. Yeah. I just wonder how it's going to translate being first year in the SEC, coming from the Big 12. I know the Big 12 is transitioning a little bit, kind of getting more smash mouth, but I'm going to give that one kind of a, a B, B minus. You're on it. Do you got my list? It's B minus. Did you pull up this link? Did you pull up <laughs> <No>. the, uh, <laughs> it's B minus. Uh, I get what you're saying. Perfect. Uh, they are two different styles of football, for sure. And like you said, I think Big 12 is getting closer to that that niche of football, you know, the ground and pound uh, instead of the air raid. Uh, but he, you know, he might find that perfect fit where he finds that 50-50, a little bit of air raid, a little bit of ground and pound and does good there because Mississippi State's been, you know, they've been hurting ever since what was it Dak left. Mm-hmm. That kind of led them and had a splurge in there um, for a year or two. And then they really haven't been. Sufficient enough anything in the news since then. But that was maybe, his last good year. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll see if Mississippi State, it's just there's so many good, there's like half of them are so good. They're all beat up on each other. Um, it's just hard to stay prevalent in the SEC. So B minus, you got that one right. Northwestern uh, hires DC, their intern coach, David Braun. Uh, who actually stepped in or stepped in this year? Uh, he was the intern coach. They went one and eleven two years ago, and under Braun, they went seven and five. So they just went on ahead and hired him as the head coach after he stepped in to be the intern coach. So, what's your grade on that one? I don't know much about that except for they're, they're purple, but uh, <laughs> I don't be B, B plus. A B. <laughs> I hate you right now. You're doing so good. <laughs> a B, yeah. Uh, it just goes to show that you hired an in, in, inside guy, you know, someone that's been a part of the team for a while. Uh, he's already proven that he can win with this team. You know, you you don't do a full fire sale or change out from 1-11 and 11 to 7-5. and five. You kind of got majority of the same guys. I know some, some probably left after the head coach because the portal, after a coach leaves, you can go anywhere pretty much. So, even then, he recruited the heck out of it and got a good team to go seven and five. Because um, I remember that one in eleven year. I think the only time they won was over there in Ireland when they played. No, I don't even know if they won that game, but one in eleven to go to seven and five uh, looks good for them. Northwestern looking to be prevalent again. Uh, so the Oregon State job was open since Jonathan Smith left for Michigan. Michigan State. Oregon State ended up hiring DC uh, Trent Bray who was first and fourth in his two years as Pac-12 uh, as D.C. So he's ranked in the top four in the two years, being number one one year. And so they ended up hiring him as their head coach. How, how do you think about that? And now, like I said, you might not know these guys. It's just kind of throwing a dart at the board. And watching that program the last couple of years, I mean, he's had some 
pretty solid defenses, you know, pretty much the, the bend don't break. Their games haven't really been too high scoring, mm-hmm. you know, um, and A, A minus. Yeah, he got a B plus. That's close to A, A minus. Yeah. Um, I think if he can hire a pretty, a really good OC and he, with his defense in mind, you know, it's kind of like a Venables at OU or his defense of mine is an elite you know yeah. with OU leaving Lib- losing Libby you know they can bring in a good OC I think Oregon State can be pretty dominant and, and but then again if they're dominant it's in the Mountain West pretty much conference I don't know how much clout they're going to get to be able to make a run for it and I don't know how the uh, not BCS but the playoff thing is with 12 teams now how that's going to work with two teams in the Pac-12 or yeah. not so I don't yeah. know if say hey we need one team from each conference and then the rest are going to be at large or whatnot. I don't know how that's going to work with the two-team conference. If they, you know, one of them's going to be champion, which is probably going yeah. to be Oregon State over Washington State. But I don't know how they're going to tie that in. It probably go by wins and losses. We'll see. It's going to be a whole new year. It's going to be wild, especially with the 12-team playoffs. Right, and I'm hoping they don't kind of don't follow the uh, the Iowa mantra where you have a defense. But you just have a slow grinding offense. It doesn't give you time to, you know, get something going. They stall out while there's half the game, you know, and you're down by 10 before you know. I mean, it's because yeah. Iowa had a good defense. If they would have had something with an offense, it would have been a whole different ballgame. They would have had just a drop of offense, you know. They, they're they trying to win games two to nothing with a safety from the defense <laughs> and then <not laughs> score on offense, you know. So, I mean, it's. Like you said, Iowa could be great. They just need – they need to just bring in an OC just say, hey, look, we got the defense. We just need yeah. somebody to come in and just absolutely, you know, get us – just get us 14. Just get us 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, we'll see on that. We'll see on that. Uh, Syracuse uh, hires Georgia defensive backs coach Fran Brown, who was Kirby Smart's main recruiter there at Georgia. So he's getting a chance at his uh, head coaching gig. What's your thoughts on him? Um, I mean, he's done well, obviously, recruiting for Georgia. Uh, I mean, not having really a coordinator's experience, but having that uh, recruiting uh, prowess kind of offsets a little bit. And, and I mean that's a big jump from a DB coach to head coach. I mean, I, but you know I'll throw him a bone. I'll give him a B plus. I mean they only have to go up. Yeah, I guess this guy. I don't know. I guess this guy knows more about him. He gave him a C plus. I guess just gave him less because of his non head coaching mm-hmm. experience. Uh, but I mean, if you're a good recruiter, you're a good recruiter. As a head coach, yeah. you're more if you can recruit. And get your guys motivated, you know. Yeah. Um, and you've got recruiting I, coordinator, bam, Georgia by your name. I mean, that's gonna be like, okay, maybe he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's a coin flip. Uh, just depends how he handles the pressure of being a head coach to where he can recruit the full out of it. You know, all those northern guys, maybe bring some Florida guys up. I don't know, something like that. And like you said, just he's he already knows the area. He's already been talking to recruits. You know, he can go the same way, just saying, hey. Same face, same name, same promises. I'm just moving, moving towns. You know, you yeah. coming with me? So, and, he, and they're what conference are they? The Big East? No, they're not Big East anymore. They're, I think they're ACC. ACC. Okay. I don't think there's ever Big East football anymore. They all kind of oh, dissolved. Okay. 
Yeah, if they're, I mean, if they're ACC, that might not be too bad of a uh, conference for them to start in. Yeah, you've got the likes of Florida State and Clemson. and But, I mean, that, that's a good conference. Can be a strong conference, but you're also going to have your growing pains. But, you know, he, I think he can get them, you know, facing in the right direction and get it going. Yeah, so there's, there's going to be next year uh, 17 teams in the ACC. Wow. So now these big five – Big five conferences are now just stacking teams and no one's ever going to play everybody. So you don't really know conference championship wise. Yeah. If you're truly playing, you know, the two best teams you can have, like usually in the, the big 10, it's Michigan or Ohio state, whoever wins that side of the bracket, the mm-hmm. East or West division, whatever they're in, it's pretty much going to beat the other team on the other side. And I wish they'd be on opposite sides, but they would play each other, but they'd be on opposite sides and maybe meet back in the championship. But you can have a one-two that are actually the best two teams, and you'll never know who actually is the best. But That's yeah, they're gonna have don't uh, don't lose in the north or south. Yeah, you know, it, it, don't lose your games if you want to lose against the other division. Okay, I mean, you can afford one, but <laughs> don't lose your bracket. Mm-hmm. So their their Syracuse doesn't look like they have a, a super hard schedule. They got Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio, Georgia Tech, Stanford. I don't know who that team is. Looks like Holy Cross, UNLV, North Carolina State, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Cal, UConn, and Miami at the end. So, I mean, kind of up and down, not like a super power hard, but – Going to NFC East. I mean, it could be strong or it could be, oh, here we go. Yeah, the coin flip again, coin flip again. Um, Texas A&M, we had the big news down there, you know, after they did did old um, Jimbo. Jimbo, yeah, Jimbo Fisher. I about said Dabo, <laughs> Jimbo. <laughs> uh, Jimbo Fisher got fired, and it still cracks me up how they brought the check out of all the donors on how much money it was, and it was exactly the amount of how much they paid him out and then how much they hired the head coach. It was like, Here's what we're doing in plain sight. But we're not going to tell anybody, but you'll find out later. That was Talk like, about trolling. Yeah. But they hired Duke's head coach, Mike Elko, who I said Duke's been doing great, been on the up and up recently. Uh, because of this guy, last two years he's been 16-9 and nine in the ACC. So being in the ACC. So, I mean, he's putting up pretty good numbers. What do we think about old Mike Elko? Mike Elko. I know a lot of people were confused about it because being ACC and – being at Duke and then going to the likes of A&M and the SEC, but I mean, he he knows his stuff. He knows what's going on. I'm not saying it transitions, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know enough about him. Uh, B, B minus. They gave him a A. So really? I mean, huh? like you said, jumping conferences. Not sure, but what he's done with Duke, bringing them up, you know nothing really to lose he's making seven million a year down there at texas a&m uh but i mean he's he's a big name been a program that built a big program up going a&m man that's a tall order too uh they don't they they, they give short leashes down there for sure and i don't feel like a&m other than the stint with mike evans and uh manzel you know their first few years in the sec they haven't really been up to par since entering the SEC. I don't know if that's just being in that conference or the leadership. So it could be both or whatever. Yeah, they um, 
looking for a big splash after cutting Jimbo out. What was it? Three or four years in advance of his contract. How many years were they paying him? Something like that. So to cut him off of his rest of his contract and move on, you know, they're looking for a big splash, big name. And yeah, so they're, they're looking to, to revamp and be prominent again in the SEC. And, uh, We'll say Arizona's coach. They uh, he left. They hired San Jose State's head coach Brent Brennan, which I'm iffy about this. I don't have a. Uh, I found these last three just off off that dude's list, so I don't have a rating on this one. But I really don't understand this. Arizona's been was on the up and up. Mm-hmm. They showed against OU in the bowl game how good they're going to be. They got one of the best athletic teams that I've seen recently and their head coach left and they hire San Jose state's head coach who overall record at San Jose state was 20 and 37. Don't know how I feel about that. I don't uh, know. Um, you're going into the big 12, you're leaving pac 12 going to the big 12 and then you hire a San Jose head coach state, Brennan, Brent, you know, like, I don't, I don't get this hire at all, especially after you just lost a coach that was, pretty prevalent yeah I, I don't know anything about him i know that's just that it's a f give him an f <laughs> yeah we'll give him an f yeah yeah so their their former uh coach jed fish uh, he was only there for three years and pretty much turned that program around that he this is the domino effect that happened so started with bama saban leaving they hired, we know, Washington's head coach, Keelan DeBoer, who 13-1 and record, national championship game, fills that void. Well, Washington then hires Arizona's head coach, Jed Fish, who was 10-3 and at Arizona. And then Arizona hires San Jose State's head coach, Brett Brennan's from San Jose. So, thoughts? Let's go, let's go from the beginning. Alabama's update. You can't ever really compare to Saban. If you just compare Boer to every other coach that's currently there, how would you say they fared? Um, B, straight B. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get a coach that went to the national championship. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're getting a top-tier coach and uh, no Joe Schmo like a San Jose State guy, but, you know, you're getting – the next best guy other than if you got Harbaugh, you know, who won the national championship, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be tough. I wonder how big, long of a leash they're going to give him uh, maybe four or five years. And if nothing happens, switch it up. But with his coaching style, he's been successful wherever he goes. And then to have the, the ammo that Bama brings in year after year, other than all their guys leaving recently, we'll see how he does recruiting. But, and and that and saying a B is not a slap to him. It's a product of conference conference again. Yeah. You know how do you go from that conference, which is a run and gun conference all the way, yeah, to the likes of a, you know, I hate saying it because it's the just the SEC because they like to be compared to the the NFL conference. Yeah. You know, Ash mouth, get in there, push people around. You know, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a shock at first, but, um, you know, I think year one will truly 
dictate how his tenure goes here. Yeah. Well, I mean, how long did he spend at Washington before he got them to a national championship? How long was he there for? A couple years, two or three years? Mm-hmm. It was just like two, wasn't it? Because he just came from Indiana because mm-hmm. he brought Penix with him. So yeah. it might have been a couple years, you know, two or three, and then he led them to a national championship. So going to Alabama and then having the, the firepower, the name, you know, he could be right back into a national championship contention with just the way oh. he's with his past. So what conference is Indiana in? Indiana's Big Ten. Big Ten? Yeah. So did he do that running from Michigan and Ohio State? And True. But he did beat an Oregon. Right. Not so much saying USC, but, you know, some 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 heavy hitters there. But like you said, it's it's different style football out there at Pac-12. I think the further east you get or west you get, the, the more air raid you get, you know. Uh, but he, he's going to have to definitely change his style. Uh, could definitely might be a growing pains the first year or two, yeah. but I think I think in three or four years he might have Bama back, you know, and B- Bama's probably going to go into a skid for for a year or two, mm-hmm. and then come back up. But just depending on how they replace all the players that they've lost, which is quite a bit, yeah. and it seems like a lot of them been going to Ohio State, unfortunately, which can't stand Ohio State, but kudos to them for stacking the stacking the books pretty much. So. My guess, long-term, just throwing this out there, Ohio State might be in the national championship if they keep up what they're going, just with Michigan going through that coaching change. Nothing against Sharon Moore, buddy of mine. Hope he gets them back there. Uh, but just one first-year coaching change is usually difficult. And since uh, Day has been there for a while, he's had them right there every time. Just couldn't get over the hump of Michigan for a while. Uh, look for things to change with how much – ammo they reloaded with with all their recruits so i'm throwing that out there just now so we can come back to this in a year but i think Sharon showed that he can coach in those big games he can coach in that conference 100%. he took over for harbaugh and instilled the, the confidence of his team in him that he's going to lead them in the right direction i hope so i 100 <clears throat> i love the guy he's a great dude uh wears his emotions on his sleeve as we all saw but I think I think kids appreciate that day. They want to know where they stand with people, and he's going to let you know. And just the way he handles it, handle the adversity of Harbaugh being gone, and all that. So I mean, if he just continues what he's doing, man, he might, like you said, he might be back, back right back in there. Yeah. He, like I said, so hopefully, hopefully he does. But I'm just seeing all the recruits going to Ohio State. It's like, man, right. they're going to be stacked. So oh, that's my only reason I was picking them. They, uh, they sold their soul to, to get back to the promised land. Yeah. And then Washington hired Jed Fish from Arizona, who his three years in Arizona has turned that program around. Mm-hmm. But Washington has lost their complete O-line to transfers or draft. So yep. he's starting from scratch again with just a bigger name, if, if you can even say that. If you can even say that now. So going into a new conference. Going to a new team, starting with a whole new team. That's really going to show who uh, Jed Fish really is as a coach if he can come back from that. And I can see if, if he does really well with them for the next two or three years and brings that program back, you might be looking at him for a top SEC job in four or five years. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, the same can be said for a lot of these other coaches, you know, going to a bigger, better conference, you know, so it's, you're essentially starting from scratch because they're not your guys. 
So you're starting over for yourself and you're starting over trying to build that trust with your team. And then you're starting over trying to build that trust with your boosters and your fan base and, and all that. So, I mean, I don't envy them for having to do that. Yeah. It's not like professional ball where you have players given to you. You yeah. just go in, you make the lineup, you, you know, say, Hey, why don't we go look at this guy? And then you have your GM and whatever else go. That's actually a pretty good idea. Okay. I'll make a phone call. Yeah. That you're making the phone calls and doing everything else. Yeah. Well, like I said, the dust, the dust is settled for the coaches where all the players go. I don't know how late transfer portal stays open or whatever. Um, it could change any time. I don't, I, like I said, I don't feel like rankings should count until like after week one when you have everybody on roster or whatnot to decide. <laughs> right. Your first cupcake game, if you struggle, you go to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's NCAA football. That might be the last time we talk about it for a while until something maybe crazy happens. But all the coaching dust is settled and usually it starts from the top and everything down the ladder just works its way down. And we'll see where we are in the fall. But what's hot and heavy right now is NCAA basketball. So we, I put a bunch of records together a couple of days ago, and just it's changed a little bit today. I did today's top ten, and right now we'll go start with the men's, and then we'll move over to the women's. Uh, the men's right now has UConn at one, 23 and two record. Purdue at two, 23 and two record. Houston at three, 21 and three record. Uh, Marquette at four, 19 and five. Arizona, 19 and five. Kansas, 19 and six. UNC, 19 and six. Tennessee at 18 and six. Uh, Duke at nine, at 19 and five. And Iowa State, State snuck in there at 19 and five. Um, they kind of had a bad year, the NCAA ranking players, teams, a couple years ago. But as of now, they're 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 kind of solid right now. They're seven out of the ten that started in the preseason are currently still in the top ten. So NCAA kind of got their their guessing together. <laughs> last year I think they had like two or three that started yeah. in the top ten that stayed in the top ten, and now they got seven out of ten from the preseason poll. And the only three teams that aren't in it anymore is Michigan State, who started at number four. Now they're unranked, <laughs> sixteen and nine. Uh, Creighton who started at number eight is now 17. They still got an 18 and seven record. They're like one or two losses behind Iowa state's record. And then they had Florida Atlantic at number 10, who is now number 24 with a 20 and five record. So there goes our, what conference you're in matters, you know, mm -hmm. they're 20 and five, uh, which is better than four down. Yeah. From Marquette down, they got a better record than Marquette down. Who's ranked number four. But yet they're ranked 24th with a 20 and five. But it just goes to show who they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll actually jump to this Ryan Hammer thing that we we're talking about, and then I'll come back to the women's top 10, and then we'll we'll cover that. So uh, there's a guy that I follow on TikTok. Uh, he does all these graphs and predictions and whatnot. Uh, he puts teams with best offense, best defense, puts them on a graph. And he's got some kind of trapezoid that works that if they're certain defense, certain offense quality or ranking, uh, he's proven with stats that 
those teams have been one of the predominant chances of winning a national championship. So with March Madness right around the corner, uh, we're wanting to give you guys the best chance of winning y'all's bracket coming out if you're putting any, guessing any brackets and still don't have a perfect one yet. Over millions of brackets and over years of doing it, we still haven't had a perfect bracket yet. So I can go and explain this a little bit more. Uh, He uses a graph of offensive defensive ratings. And the last several national championship champions have fit into that trapezoid on the graph, uh, sectioning the graph into the top right being good defense and good offense. Uh, the bottom right is good defense, bad offense. Top left is bad defense, good offense. And the bottom left is bad defense, bad offense. Um, he also uses the Kid Ken Palm database, uh, which has produced the national championships 2022 or 2002, sorry, 2002. Um, Pretty much if you're top 57 in offense and top 37 in defense, uh, your efficiency go, it goes way up in the tournament. And I think someone has been ranked in the top 57, 37, has won the national championship since 2002. Um, he also even narrows down. Uh, he has like a certain amount of teams that fit into that genre. And then he narrows it down even more uh, with these stats that, no first-year coach has ever won a national championship, so he took some teams off his list that fit into that trapezoid. One coach in the last five years uh, is less than five years. So if you've coached that team for more than five years or less than five years, only one coach has won a national championship, so he canceled all those teams out. Um, if you coach team for like if you coach team for five years, like say, oh, you hired a coach, I think he's only on his second or third year, so he canceled them out, saying no coach under five years has won it. Uh, every champion came from a conference that had four teams make it into the tourney, made a tourney bid. So say like a ACC has six teams. You know, if you only had three teams, those teams haven't really haven't won a national championship. And then every champion since 2004 was top 12 in the week six AP poll. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you look up this stat. Or whatnot. So if you go back to the top 12, in week six AP poll, and you put at least one of those teams, one of those six teams, uh, or one of those top 12 teams in as your champion in the bracket, you might have a chance to win, uh, at least get one of your, one of your brackets that has a national champion on it. So just saying, if you're looking to win some money, go buy these stats. This guy's got it all figured out. Uh, but I'm going to tell you who the teams are that he has as of, I think he did this video a week ago and he says he's not going to do another video until the bracket comes out, which is selection Sunday. I think is about a month away. Okay. I'm looking at the top 12 in week six. Okay. Who you got top 12 week six, uh, Arizona, Kansas, Purdue, Houston, Yukon, Baylor, Marquette, Creighton, UNC, Gonzaga, OU, Tennessee. I gotcha. Yeah, most of them are top ten currently. So Good week luck. six. I don't know what it is about <laughs> week six that has a beneficial thing about it. Uh, but his he did this TikTok in two sit um February sixth. He said he wasn't gonna do another one until the brackets come out in a month. But his top tier teams, top one was Houston, Tennessee, Purdue, and Yukon. His tier two teams was Creighton, UNC, and Kansas, and his top three tier teams that kind of snuck under the radar, Arizona, OU, Marquette, and Duke. 
So those are those are teams that the lower the tier they go, the less criteria they fit to where tier yeah. one fit every category of that criteria. Tier two had some, most of them, and then tier three had some of them. So those are your top teams. Um, if you're looking to fill out a bracket, Houston, Tennessee, Purdue, and UConn were his top tier one. But I looked at his video from two weeks prior to this one, and there was a few teams change in there. So by the end of the season, that top tier team might change, but the week six rankings doesn't change. So if you go by that week six poll, pick one of those 12 teams to be your champion in 12 of your brackets, you know, that you fill out on ESPN or whatever, you probably got a good chance of having at least one national championship in one of your brackets work. Yeah. So if we want to play a fun little game. I'm in. All right. Where is Creighton ranked right now? Creighton is ranked. They are ranked seventeenth. Gonzaga. Gonzaga's lower. I think they're like twenty-two. And they'll use twenty-five. Twenty-five. Those are the three that were the in the top twelve that are out of it right now. Yeah. So the ones that took their place are South Carolina. Um, Iowa State and <clears throat> Iowa State's been playing some good ball. Yeah. Gonzaga, UNC or Creighton, I mean. Yeah, I, I just had it. And... I think they have said that it's been <clears throat> weird that this is being, being mentioned that like Big 12 is one of the most dominant basketball leagues which normally you know we're right there second or third uh it's usually acc it used to be big at big east used to be predominant all the time and then they kind of conjoined with acc and then sec will always have that two good teams that represent the whole league which probably 10 of their 14 are doo-doo paper but the two or three or four like uk always keeps them in it uh tennessee is usually there uh arkansas's up and down they'll be good at here and then be bad there but florida usually you know there's always some random sec mm-hmm. team that keeps sec prevalent in the basketball talk but, so oh. go ahead iowa state south carolina were unranked in week six mm. and duke was number 21 those are the three teams that have jumped to the top 12 now mm. yeah uh he had uh on his outside looking in, he had people probably asking, well, where's UK? Where's Baylor? Where's Bama? Uh-huh. Uh, he said he bumped them out because of their defense productivity. Uh, so their defense wasn't up to par to match those stats. And, yeah. I mean, you go by all these stats, if it's been that like, continuous for that long since like 2002, and that champion has been brought out of all those statistics, you know, uh, yeah. it seems to show that there's some kind of recipe there. Uh, for winning a national championship and you always think that you know March Madness is just it's all doesn't matter you know you had a you had a San Diego State in there last year for the championship team you know you might have that one dark horse but who ended up winning it UConn ended up beating them by like 20 or 15 didn't they something crazy Mm -hmm. so Baylor was 9-0 on the week six per ESPN Mm -hmm. at number six now they're sitting at 17 and 6. I'm just going off the app. 
Yes. I don't know if it's updated. If there's 17 and 6 at number 12. So they've gone, what was that, 8 and 6? Mm -hmm. I can see why he kind of knocked them out due to their defensive productivity. Yeah. Yeah, UConn beat San Diego State 76 to 59. So all those statistics led to UConn winning. And that's why they were a four seed. UConn was a four seed. Uh, he has said there's a couple more other facts um, that I thought I wrote down where it said something about uh, 12 out of the last 16 national champions were one seeds. So you can't be one of those four teams out of the last, you know, however many years that is. So, yeah. Uh, the last 16 years, yeah, 12 out of the last 16 have been one seeds. So there's always that one random four times in the last 16 yeah. years that there hasn't been a one seed. Uh, but that's the beauty of March Madness. You never know. You never know. So those are your stats. If you want to follow that guy again, I'll say his name. It was uh, Ryan Hammer on TikTok. It's just pretty cool how he puts all those all those numbers together and stats and whatnot. And I'm sure people go by it. So if you want to win some money, go look him up. I know I will be. <laughs> so that'll bring us to uh, women's uh, top 10. You got South Carolina undefeated, 23-0. They've been dominant recently. Uh, Ohio State, 21-3. Stanford, 22-3. Iowa, 22-3. Texas, 22-3. NC State, 21-3. Kansas State, 21-3. Colorado 20 and 4, UCLA 19 and 4, USC 17 and 4. And NCAA from preseason rankings to now have only four out of 10 started the season top 10 are still currently in the top 10. Um, LSU was ranked number one. They're now 13 with a 20 and 4 record. UConn was number two. Uh, now number 15 with a 20 and five record and they had Utah at number five who are now tw ranked 22nd with an 18 and seven record. So South Carolina is up there, you know, Caitlin Clark, which we'll get into here in a minute. Um, they had a few games dropped recently. So they were ranked second previously a couple about a week ago and dropped down to four with a 22 and three record. But it seems like there's going to be if they all those top four teams make it to a final four, it's going to be a pretty good, uh, exciting battle, especially with, if South Carolina is still undefeated. I think they got beat by Mississippi State a couple years ago when they were undefeated all the way to the national championship. And then Mississippi State beat them or something like that about mm -hmm. four or five years ago. So women's are usually usually the women's rankings. If you're a top seed, you're usually going to win. But as of late, the last three or four years, it's been kind of like some upsets, you know, going in there. So, which is fun to watch. You always like to see a good upset. Oh, for sure. But um, speaking of Iowa, that brings us to Caitlin Clark, who on Tuesday broke the women's all-time scoring record held by Kelsey Plum. At uh, she had she had three thousand five hundred twenty-seven points over one hundred thirty-nine games. Uh, Clark broke it. I don't know if you saw her three. She shot like a Steph Curry three from the logo. <laughs> yeah, like ten feet from the three-point line, just straight up pulled up. It was like. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going to get this done. Just shot it, pulled it up, and um, she broke the record in just her 126th game. So I think someone um, said she pulled up and goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> did she, she did. 
I call game. So <laughs> who's that said that? I call game. Uh, she's averaging 32.1 points a game. Uh, and not only that record she broke during that game, the all-time scoring record, she broke her own points record for their stadium in Iowa, uh, which was previously held by none other, Caitlin Clark herself. Uh, she she had the record at 46. She scored 49 that game. So 49 points in, in the game. So she holds the man, men and women's record of scoring 30 points. She's sitting at 51, 30 points or more, 51 times. And over the last 25 years, and has scored at least 40 points on 11 occasions. So, and I think she's only been held to single digits one time in her career. And that was like early on in her freshman year at Iowa. So pretty dominant. Yeah. Mm. Safe to say she's going number one whenever she decides to go. I think, I don't know if she, she didn't have another year. Is there last year, isn't it? I think it's her last year. Yeah. I think it's her last year. So, yeah, she's been dominant, you know, the best offensive thing to come through Iowa since ever. <laughs> it goes for all sports. She's putting up more points on the football team. Oh, yeah. Since their <laughs> conception <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm sitting That's here looking funny. at this on ESPN. What's um, a very interesting record? Francis Marion's Lauren Taylor Division Two grabs NCAA record 44 rebounds. Ew. She had 30 defensive boards and 14 offensive boards. How tall is she? Do we know? 5'11. 5'11. Good for her. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of boards. It's a lot of missed shots, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just popped out at me. I was like, holy crap, 44 boards. Yeah, that's a lot of boards. Uh, they're expecting uh, Caitlin Clark is the top choice of Indiana Fever wins number one selection in the lottery. Uh, they found that out December 11. So looks like she'll just be moving a couple states over from Iowa to Indiana, being the Fever number one pick. Huh? Fever for more cowbell. Yes. Yeah. So clear cut for number one. I mean, hopefully she can turn that franchise around, which I don't know how good or bad they're doing. I guess pretty bad if you are got the first rank, first uh, draft pick. But, yeah, good on her. That's pretty dominant. Uh, Big Ten basketball is actually, you know, uh, women's I think is really good. So other than uh, South Carolina dominating in the ACC. No, sorry, SEC. My bad. Sorry, South Carolina. Didn't mean to put to throw you in the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, bre- breaking records. Like I said, I had that wrote down before she broke it. it Says she was like 66 points away. She scored that two games, dominated it. And then Kelsey Plum's like, I'm glad I'm somebody else taking over. You know, I have to take it or deal with it or whatever. I was like, okay, you know, it hurts. It's okay. But yeah, moving on. What do we think about Tiger Woods, man? Lee. Eldrick. Leaving Nike, like that's all we've ever known. All we've ever known is the swoosh associated with Tiger and the TW. You know, not happening anymore. What yeah, I, man, I don't know what the heck did Nike do to blow that. No, yeah, that no would be clue. like Oregon leaving Nike. It'd be like Michael Jordan, you know, even like just being like, bro, just. Do whatever it takes to keep him. 
So I don't know if it was relations or it wasn't they weren't letting him do what he wanted to do or he just didn't like the product or what. Um, but yeah, he spent uh, over 27 years since he turned pro when he was 20. So he's been his whole career with Nike since he was 20. Um, I did see recently where he did sign with TaylorMade to mm-hmm. at the suspense that just came out a couple of days ago or a week ago. Um, he signed with TaylorMade where he'll be making 10 million a year and starting his own brand, kind of like Jordan did with Air Air Jordan, you know, or you know Nike. These guys own Air Jordan brand. They're hoping this spinoff is called Sunday Red. So they're like two different words, Sunday Red, which Everybody knows he's iconic. He wears red on championship Sunday or final round of golf, which is their championship Sunday. Um, so making 10 million a year. Uh, what? Oh, his logo is, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's literally like a tiger made out of like lines. So like they just got individual cut up lines, not one mm-hmm. straight line, continuous line, but it's 15 lines that, that, make a picture of a tiger representing his 15 majors that he's won. So pretty neat. They were, they were correlating it to another brand. It kind of looks almost similar. Uh, I can't remember the brand. Exactly. But yeah, Taylor made, which I did read that in his last two majors, he won two or three majors. He won, he used Taylor made clubs which I don't know how all that sponsorship works or whatnot. If it's just clothing, you know, clubs or free game, whatever. I don't know. But um, he helped design some of those clubs that Taylor made did. So it was kind of like probably people probably could have pieced that together. Like, hey, he's using Taylor made clubs. That's probably who he's going to go with. But he's going to pretty much have his own attire like Jordan does with Air Jordan when he's rocking out there on the on the course. So I just looked it up. Apparently, Nike needed to make some changes and cut some costs. And there's rumors that they want out of golf. What? <laughs> yeah. Golf is one of your most like, that's like your your, your money maker right there, I figure. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's just speculation. That's what I saw. So, yeah. Who knows? Uh I'm trying to all think those sweatshops to everybody else. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who that other. I can't find it. There was like a brand that looked just like the red background with the Jaguar Tiger on the back or whatever. And I can't remember the name of the brand. I was like, that does look kind of similar. But, but yeah, there's there's mixed feelings about it. Underwhelming, you know, the design, this and that. But I think it's more the meaning behind it. Have you looked up the logo yet? No. Go ahead and look that up. It looks literally like a caveman drawing of a tiger. But like you said, it's supposed to represent the 15 majors for each line or dash or that's been. Oof. Yeah, it's not. So it's that's what that, uh, I saw something like this and they're making a uh, funny video out of it on tiktok and it got mm-hmm. very kind of um inappropriate real fast it's <laughs> really i was like oh interesting okay what is this <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if you haven't seen it go look it up it's just kind of like eh. you know it doesn't give the air jordan look of dunking a ball yeah you know but speaking of air jordan real quick i might drop a little fun fact 
Um, let me see. Let me look it up before I before I sell you. So if you look at the Air Jordan logo, okay. Look at the Air Jordan logo. Pull it up right now. I want, I want you to pull it up for me. Okay. For your whole life, I've always thought that Air Jordan in this photo was wearing shorts. But look at the ankles. He's wearing pants. Pants, yeah. I thought it was shorts my whole life. Like <laughs> someone mentioned that said Air Jordan logo. He's wearing pants. And they showed like the him in like his sweats, you know, like the 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 sweatsuits or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or not the sweatsuit, but the windbreaker suit or whatever. And that was the logo they used of him in the windbreaker. Yeah, that one with the red striped <laughs> pants. And it was like this whole my whole life I thought he was wearing shorts, you know, because you kind of see the indention yeah. at the legs, but that's where the pants bolt bolts over, you know, bends over. Right. And then you look at the ankles, you're like, it's just wearing pants, Duncan. What in the you know? heck? Yeah, so that blew my mind earlier, you know, kind of like the Mandela effect. You're just like, man, what? how much, have I just been that, like, blind to everything? But, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Pretty little fun fact about that. Awesome. I'm going to use okay. that against uh, Kaylee and the girls later. Yeah, do it. No, do it. Jordan did wear pants for his logo, right? Yeah. No, he didn't. Look at it. Look at it. That's kind of like the cornucopia for the fruit of looms. I still believe there's a cornucopia. It's never, I don't remember ever seeing just the fruit. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't know. I'm I'm in an alternate universe. You've you seen that too? What? The Mandela effect where fruit of the looms has all the fruit, right? Uh-huh. And then it has a cornucopia in the background, like this basket. Okay. Now there's no basket. Just on your own time, just go look that up. Fruit of Looms, Mandela effect. I always thought there was a basket in the background, but then every time you look at a logo now, there's no basket, and they're and they're saying there's never been a basket in the background. I don't know. If, if, I just it blows my mind. I don't remember what you remember. Is there ever been a basket in the background or not? Let me check you. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be on yours now. Like they they changed it all up. <laughs> no, no basket. No, just four dots. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I'm I'm chasing down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> we'll continue with some uh, PGA Tour. The top five currently. This has even changed in the last few days. So I had to rewrite them. At five is Xander. Shaffle, Shaffle, sorry for butchering his name. Shaffle. Four is Victor Hovland. Three, John Rahm. Two, Rory McIlroy. And one, Scotty Scheffler. So I saw a pretty weird fact about that where Scheffler was second just recently. Uh, just within the week, it's changed who's number one, you know, ranking this and that. Wow. And, and it's talking about Scheffler where if he maintains, he's been in number one for 53 weeks or something like that. And said something, if he wanted to match Tiger Woods' record of being number one, he'd have to hold it till 2038 or something like that to break Tiger Woods' record of how long he was at number one. <laughs> so I was like, this is, that's insane. Like the, the Tiger Woods stats are wild for this. But yeah, I think I sent you that to you, but I can't remember what I sent it on. We usually send 50 different things to four different yeah. forms. And I'm like, I can't remember what I even sent it to you on. Yeah, I saw that number. I was like, yeah, good luck on that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's one of those that probably never going to be broken. Just, I mean, just to think that I can go out there one day 
and you know hitting the 90s and then the next day i'm like 120 i'm like it's just day to day you can be <laughs> totally different golfer and to match that see it's got the cornucopia see it has it i'm telling you um they're they're trying to trick us they're just trying to get us in our way i don't know but it's the crazy stat about tiger you know where in his prime holding that for so many years to where nowadays you got guys changing number one number two every other two weeks Mm -hmm. and i think it's just insane when you go actually compare those those stats back and forth it's just insane but yeah there's another story going out of nick dunlap uh so last month uh he won the american express tournament as a 20 year old he is the first amateur to win a pga tour event since 1991 when who do you think was the last one to win at 91 amateur He's a big name, not relevant anymore, but was a big name. Do you agree? Yeah, he he started all the uh, live stuff. Who was the main proponent for the live? Uh, Norman. Nicholson. Nicholson. Bill. Lefty. Yeah. Who won more Telecon Open? What were you saying? Oh, I just went. "Mm." (laughs) But Dunlap, he's a uh, also the second youngest player to win a tour event. Uh, in the last 90 years, at the age of 20 years, 29 days, just behind Jordan Spieth, who did it in 2013 at the John Deere Classic, at the age of 19 years, 352 days. So literally about less than a month age-wise, he would have broke the youngest ever to win it. That is wild. Yeah. Think about winning that. If he would have been – he's currently University of Alabama sophomore. And <laughs> – had to turn down 1.5 million to keep his amateur status. Hey, listen, I will lose my amateur status for one point whatever million. Okay, deuces. Yeah, I don't know what else you're gonna. I mean, that's like being first pick in the draft and saying, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah. What else you looking for? What else what are you, you looking do? for? Go win a national championship at college? No. Yeah. So, whoever benefits from this is. Uh, Ben Ben Zindenhout, who plays second, he then gets the 1.5 million. So imagine being second place and winning the top purse. <laughs> well, in this place, first place is first loser. <laughs> it pays but, to be uh, second sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, but he decided to retain, uh, return to school, uh, and not get his pro tour card. Because, but there's some things there to since he won an amateur event or a a, a tour event. Yeah. He's now eligible to play at Augusta, I think, for the next five years. So kind of grandfathered in now. Yeah, and then uh, and then he can enter other tournaments. He can come back for the next four or five years. So he can go and play two more years or one more year at Alabama and come back and still be eligible to play at those big high uh, tournaments since he's won it before. So that could factor into going back to Alabama. Enjoy your college. Enjoy your young years. Enhance your, and hone in your skills at the college level and be ready to dominate once you get your tour card. But, but what's the day you'll ever be back? It's never in that situation. It's never guaranteed. Exactly. I mean, look at Tiger on top of the world. Bat breaks down, knees break down. You know, rolls his car, breaks his You're legs. Right. Has a nine down. iron thrown through the back window of his car. Um, <laughs> which you, you wonder if that was a Nike or a Taylor made. I don't know, but it it went through a window, so it was good. It was well made, whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of 
self-inflicted. You know, me personally, you... me personally, if I win the PGA and I'm getting like 1.8 million, whatever, mm-hmm. you can do classes by correspondence. I, I'm taking that money and I'm going. Well, that goes to show, though, that goes to go. What's different than an NIL deal? Yeah. You're getting paid to play. Yeah. Amateurs aren't amateurs anymore because they're getting paid to play. You lose yeah. your amateur status when you accept money. That was the rule mm-hmm. five years ago. Now it's anybody and everybody can make money. And what's the difference? You know? So I don't know where you draw the line on that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's the difference to where. But 1.5 be hard to turn down. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays it might not be lifetime money, but you can invest that and make lifetime money, you know, yeah. and be solid for a while. If not, if you invest it right and just interest, you know, you, you're yeah. going to be set for a while. And but, you're setting up your family. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know where the NIL draws a line to where you lose your professional. Where, when do you lose your amateur status is my question, I guess. Uh, when. You can accept money from everybody else while you play college, but you can't from the pro level. I don't know. I don't know where we're at there. So. Confusing. Slippery slope. Yeah. He'll enjoy one more year of college, probably get his tour card his junior year. I don't know how golf works. Like, you got to go tell your junior year, or I guess you can declare any time and go. So, I don't know how that works. Unless. He's using this as an NIL deal to get money, get set up with clubs and sponsorships and everything else, mm-hmm. and to build off that. I can I can see his argument there. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Hey, I can make, in the next two years, $750,000 a pop. Chill in college, not have to deal with the pressures of being a pro and traveling around. And then once I do go pro, I got all these deals. I got all these sponsorships that'll continue. If I go to pro right now and be be a flop, you know, one and done, I'm not going to have any sponsorships. So I, I can see that's a yeah. good point. That's a fair point. So, so, yeah, it says college's golf top players can earn membership through PGA Tour University and have a guaranteed place to play immediately after their college careers are complete. Uh, the PGA Tour University rankings is the mechanism to determine which graduating seniors earn automatic access to PGA Tour sanctioned circuits. So you're fighting for your life in college, too, to be oh, yeah. you know, just like a draft pick. You know, you're looking to play good in college to become a top draft prospect. So, like I said, I don't, I don't know if that's they can be eligible junior year or senior year. So, yeah. So anyone can declare themselves a professional and there are many so-called mini tours. I guess you can leave any time and just go to any tours to get your tour card. So that kind of answers it. But yeah, I can see your point. That's a good spot. If you can get sponsors now, be a big fish in a little pond right now, build his name, build his logo, build whatever sponsors, and then get into pro, you know, instead of being a one-time fling, you know, use this flash in the pan to benefit you in the long run. So that's a good point. Fair point. But enough about golf. We'll do a quick stint on NBA. So uh, recently, Bucks fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin. So after 43 games, he was 30 and 13, which at the time tied for the league's second best record. 
Uh, Griffin got the job after the Bucks fired their head coach, Mike Budenhauser, who let alone led the Bucks to a 2021 national, or not national, NBA championship. So we're talking about two years down the road, they're firing their national championship coach or NBA championship. Sorry, I keep saying that. Uh, who led them to their first title in half a century, which came after the Bucks. Uh, they fired him after the Bucks lost a 4-1 in the first round to Miami Heat who the Heat also went on to lose to the Nuggets four games to one in the championship game. So they didn't just lose to some Joe Schmo. They lost to the team that actually represented the the East in their division or whatever. So they fired the coach after winning the championship in, since a half century. Uh, and then he goes first round bounce to Miami, who ended up going to the championship. And then now they're firing Adrian Griffin who was 30 and 13 at the time saying that I guess they didn't take their defense that serious. So they wanted to bring in somebody else. And who do you think they bring in? Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. You know what their record is since then? I think three and seven. If I looked up yes, the right stuff, correct. three and seven. And when I wrote this stuff down, he was one and five at the time in his first six Ooh. games. Now he's three and seven. So in the first 10 games, you're three and seven. And I looked up some of Doc's stats. His all-time record, he's got 1,100 wins, 770 losses, playoffs, playoffs. He's 111 wins and 104 losses, so close to 500, with one NBA championship being the Boston Celtics in the 2007-2008 campaign. So, I mean, you fire a guy that's going 30 and 13, I mean, what else do you – what else you got to do to show a team, you know? I mean, I know he's got good talent on the team, but what NBA team, what most NBA teams don't have as good as they have talent on the team. So to lead that talent to a 30 and 13 record and get fired, what else you got to do as a coach? But, but you're leaving out the funniest thing. Doc got to coach the all-star game. <laughs> I, I found out why. Okay. I'll tell you why. Well, so because the next candidate couldn't coach it because he coached what the year before. Yes, that's exactly why. So they got to coach the East in the All-Star game for his team having the best record among Eastern teams with eligible coaches. You had to be eligible by February 4th, which I think he got in just under the radar late January. And the, technically, they had the second best to Boston, Joe Mazzula. Uh, but since he since he coached in the All-Star game last year, he couldn't coach, so they gave it to Doc Rivers, who should have been Adrian Griffin's team who coached them to a 30 and 13 record doc came down and brought them down to three and seven you know brought the record down so doc gets the benefit i don't know if you get a pay increase for coaching all-star game or what but it's a big honor you know you don't just pick anybody apparently so. doc said that i guess you get a ring for coaching the all-star game or being in the all-star game he goes well, i didn't earn this ring it's like it's his and, and I, I would want him to have it so I said, if that's true, yeah. it's like you know good for him yeah, you know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, along with any bonuses that he should get. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his contract looks like, but I mean, you say, hey, you get ten thousand if you coach the All Star game, you know. Which technically, if you're coaching the All Star game, you have the best record. So say, hey, if you have the best record by All Star break, we'll give you an incentive. So yeah, I would be sending that to Adrian. You know, I'm sure Doc's got plenty of money from all his coaching experience. I think, he, yeah, I think he started in '99 uh, coaching. And uh, was a player for sev- several years, you know. And um, like I said, I think he started coaching in 99. 
So he's got he's had some big contracts, is what I'm saying, pretty much. He's got the money. He's good. Oh, for sure. But yeah, just kind of we'll see. Someone's getting fired if the Bucks don't make it to the championship game, pretty much. <laughs> but we'll see. Is it Doc? Huh? Is it Doc? The GM? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. You never know. I mean, unless it's, you know, we'll get the NFL stuff here in a minute <laughs> about firing people. Heads are rolling. Uh, NLB, we'll do a quick, couple quick updates on a couple stories we did previously. Wander Franco update. Not looking good for the dude. This is a very juvenile case. I mean. Yes, that's very. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, for, the second, for the second time in less than two months, one of Franco's defense teams has stepped down from representing him. Never good. Never good. Uh, could face up to 10 years for uh, sexual and psychological abuse and abduction. And if the judge revisits uh, money laundering charges, it could carry up to a 20-year sentence. So not looking for this dude. Uh, he's currently out on bail in the Dominican. So hide your kids, hide your wife, uh, for the equivalent of a $34,000 bond. So pretty much done. I mean, I mean, I, I hate, I hate proven guilty until proven innocent. But it's not looking good. They've seen his phone. They've seen what he said to this 15-year-old. Um, not it looking was, good. What, then 14 or whatever. And- then 14, yes. <laughs> and it's just, it's not looking good. Uh, but on that, uh, when Manford was asked about Franco uh, headed to administrative leave, he said, uh, I have to be honest with you. I'm just not comfortable communic- uh, commenting on that situation right now. So administrative leave is supposed to be only like a week-long solution. I found out, uh, but the Players Association agreed to the indefinite stay in 2023. Uh, players on admin leave continue to be paid in a cure service time. So apparently, I guess he's still on admin leave, if I read that right. Still uh, getting paid and still getting... To me, that contract should be void, should be everything. Bye. Yeah. My suggestion was why not stop his time stop his pay and put it into like an account if proven innocent give it to him and give him his time back if proven guilty you don't get any of that you don't get any of your time we're going to donate the money that you made or would have had it's going to go to the cause that you of the law you broke you know so like say child abuse or you know sexual abuse or whatever it is we're going to donate to a cause that's going to counter that you know and just say we're going to use what you should have made for something that you've been breaking, you know, or that you've been abusing. And um, I think that should just like put a pause on it, you know, that way mm-hmm. if he's guilty, he didn't accumulate anything while he was off. If he's innocent, he gets everything back. So, I mean, put it in the holding cell. That's uh, not guilty until innocent because I hate there's other cases, which we'll get to with the Trevor Bauer situation um, to where it doesn't hurt anybody. It's just in purgatory. It's in hiatus until the court case finally comes through and that could be what five six years down the road four three years down the road i don't know court cases are weird they last forever and we'll see only time will tell but it's not looking not looking for good for the dude but i guess his only benefit is that he's already in the dominican not in the united states or he's getting tried in the dominican so 
we'll try to keep you updated on that, but not looking good for Wander Franco, who signed a huge deal with Tampa and was looking like a Hall of Famer at the age of 21 or something like that, 2021. Um, but yeah, not looking good for the dude. So on the flip side, Trevor Bauer case, uh, after proving pretty much not guilty in a sexual assault case and being banned from MLB for the longest stint ever at 194 games in MLB snubbed him for. Um, currently playing overseas. Uh, after all this got exonerated, you know, I don't know what they ended up deciding. I don't, I don't think there was ever a decision in court. They kind of just said, hey, I'm not paying you anything. You drop the cases and I won't sue you pretty much like for defamation, uh, for you lying. Pretty much just said, hey, we're going to, nobody pays anybody. Not going to be a decision in court. It didn't happen. You good? I'm good. Let's go. Let's just move on. Yeah. This has been happening for what been the last two, three years going on. That's all. That's all United States stuff. So he went overseas to play. Been honing his skill, playing in the Korean or Japan league. I don't know which one it is. I think Japan. Japan league, which is equivalent to you know not AAA, but like it's a good, it's a great league. I mean, it's it's equivalent to some MLB uh, teams. But did you see what he said recently? He said, uh, I just want to play. That's where I'm at. I'll play for league minimum and earn pay based on incentives. He pretty much says it. Whoever wants to sign me, pretty much like, I think he said something too, like you're going to get a Cy Young award winner for league minimum, which I, I wouldn't go that far. But just saying, what do you have to lose as a team? Yeah. Paying league minimum for Trevor Bauer that, you know, has been doing pretty good over in Japan and mm-hmm. did good while he was here. And he's had a few ups and downs, big stories. You know, he's a big personality. Big attitude. That's something to weigh in. But for league minimum, all you do if you don't then succeed, send him down or trade him. You know, if something doesn't work, or release him. You know. Yeah. So I don't know who would benefit from a Trevor Bauer like that. Uh, I think he was asking to play for the Orioles, which of course he'd want to bandwagon on Orioles. Doesn't want to go back to Dodgers, I'm sure. But who do you think? What team would benefit from a Trevor Bauer? Honestly, not because I'm a homer. The Rangers. You've got DeGrom and Scherzer down until mid-late summer. Yeah, just a filler pretty much. Jordan Montgomery is still a a wild card. You don't know if you're getting him back. Yeah. You know, you've got some guys down like like, uh, Leiter. You know, you got him in the minors, you know, who who should hopefully make a debut this year at some point, if not start of the year. Okay, you got a veteran guy that can take him under his wing. Who's the the other one from like um, the other Vandy kid? I guess he had used, huh? Rocker. Yeah, yeah, he had a uh, Tommy John. Yeah. I mean, you know, so somebody else to take under his wing and say, hey, you know, you'll bounce back from this. You'll you didn't let Bauer really reincarnate himself into a different type of teammate. Yeah. I think uh, wherever he goes, he's going to knock it out, though. So he's innocent. He's innocent. Okay, I'm joking. Bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> but Papelbon, Papelbon, another big guy, uh, he went on to say, get this, I believe Trevor Bauer has a lot to prove and everything to lose, which could be a recipe for success. He put this on Twitter or X. Red Sox tagged him in it. I will pay his minimum salary, and if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work out, 
But if it does, you pay me minimum salary as well. So Papelbon, Papelbon's, Papelbon's making a bet here. He's pretty much just saying, hey, I'm putting my money on Bauer. He works out. If they do ever make this trade, which is never going to happen, some organization's not going to negotiate with Papelbon, you know, but if it did happen, they'd have to set some stipulations like what is working out, what does working out mean? But, yeah. I mean, what do you have Wins, to lose? losses, ERA, boo, you know. What do you have to lose, Red Sox? No, you're out zero money. Yeah. And if he doesn't work out, you release him. Yeah. If he does and work if out, does work, just pay one player. Minimum wage. Yeah, the, minimum the, wage. The minimum salary. So, to do or not to do for the Red Sox? So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, what do they have to lose? What do they have to lose? Do it. Do it. Other than, I don't know. I don't know how he's in the locker room. You know, it could be there's toxicity in the locker room. I don't know how he is as a locker room guy. Yeah. Uh, so, that's. There, there's people that say he's good. There's people that say he's not. I mean, you ask Garrett Cole, he's the biggest piece of crap there is, which, I mean, that's coming from a big piece of crap. But um, yeah, that's not that's that's calling the turd stink, you know. I don't. Yeah, that, that's the pot calling the kettle black. But yeah, that's uh, a better analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was going for. But you know, the other one came out better. It just sounded cooler. <laughs> but yeah, Trevor Bowers, thirty-three. You know, um, he's playing for the Yokohama Dina Bay Stars. So, I mean, he's not hurting. His contracts, he's going to be giving up a lot of money. His contract with him right now is 102 mil. Okay, so, he's not missing out. He just wants to play in the big leagues. I think he's wanting that time to where he can get that retirement. You know, what is it, 10 years minimum? So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the guy, career, 83-69, you know, record. So, I mean. Pretty solid since 2021. You know, he's been with the Dodgers, Cincinnati, Cleveland for majority of it. Uh, Arizona, you know, uh, setting at 83 and 61 with a 379 ERA. I mean, what's the risk? Yeah. A serviceable pitcher. Yeah. Which also brings us talking about Manford, uh, who's expected to step down in 2029. Yeah. I'll let you take over that. You got any info on that? Uh, um, and I, I know they just approved his, you know, that I guess commissioners go five years. They got to get approved for another five. Well, this is his third five years. He just got approved for. Um, he'll be stepping down in 2029. I mean, he's 65 right now, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. which will, you know, put him pushing 70. Yeah. Um, the best thing for baseball would be to get somebody that's not under him. Get a fresh face in there. Mm -hmm. no, let's think. Um, commissioners do what's best pretty much for the owners. Okay, if you want to have a commissioner, have a commissioner. Then you got the MLBPA. It was Tony Clark. You need maybe a chief baseball officer. That can mediate and mitigate between both of them to get what's best for both sides. So yeah, have your owner guy, have your player guy. You need somebody in the middle that's got, okay, I see the player's point of view. Okay, I see where the owners are coming from, but what if we took this and this to merge it and made this? 
you know how the NLB commissioners get elected? By a vote of 30 owners of the teams. Yep. Yep. So, of course, the commissioner is going to be an owner-driven. And and Manfred came under Bud Selig. Yeah. I just wonder how baseball would look if it was commissioned by a former player. Or, um, crap, what's his face? Uh, I don't know, some, the, the big baseball celebrity. Seinfeld? Is that who it is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Because he wants the game back to where it was. Well, then he's never going to get voted in then. Oh, right, right. But I, I enjoy the days of breaking up a double play hard. I yeah. enjoy the days. The catcher's going to be stupid and stay on the baseline. Guess what? R3 truck stick. You know, I, I'm sorry. The National League and the American League were separated by the DH and the pitcher's hitting. Yeah. You know what? A pitcher wants to get cute and hit somebody in the National League, get his spots coming up, he's getting dotted. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. I mean, that was your distinction between American and National. You know, put the Astros back in the National League. So, why not? It's, yeah. You can have an interstate World Series. You know, to me, Pirates and Phillies. One should be American, one should be National. Like New York, Mets and Yankees. Yeah. Well, now, travel used to be the biggest thing. Now it's not anymore. They did that because they were close together. Um, now you got... NCAA teams that are in the ACC that are on the West Coast, you know, travels nothing anymore. They get all so much money out there. You can hire your own private plane and be anywhere that day, you know, anywhere in the in the United States and that day. But um, back in the day, I I get it where they were close. They can go train right away and play all four teams, 60 percent of their schedule and then venture out every now and then for the rest of the remaining. But the, the, the biggest fumble in Manfred's tenure has been the Houston Astros. Yes. Is that what he's going to be known as, known for? Yeah. There is no way on God's green earth that they should not have been punished. You cannot let a team that visibly went on and using what they were using and doing what they were doing to be able to keep their world to be able to not be suspended. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, you know, he also oversaw the, the lockout of 21-22 that almost caused a huge work stoppage. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fumbling of Major League Baseball taking over minor league baseball and condensing it and taking away teams and, you know, essentially causing people to lose their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got another stint till 2029 20, to figure out what kind of legacy he wants to leave. Because right now it's going to be one of those that changed it the most, I guess. Um, had the most change in MLB. But they're expecting the top candidate uh, to succeed succeed uh, Manford is Dan Halium. Halium? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is, but um, I'm sure, like you said, it's probably someone that's under him. Uh, that's who the owners want type thing and like you said i wish there was a way that the players had more of a say so and who chose it you know kind of like a 
like a vote, you know, like uh, Dems, Republicans, you know, have some two sides and then finally they vote on who, you know, gets to do yeah. the whole thing. And um, so we'll see. He is uh, Dan Helium was promoted to deputy commissioner of baseball administration by Robert Manford. So they're just setting him up for that next spot. They're pretty much just yeah. guiding him, getting him ready, getting prepped for it. So, yeah. He directs the administration of revenue sharing systems, debt service rule, competitive balance tax, salary arbitration system, all of the above pretty much. So he was the executive vice president of labor relations. So who knows? I don't know how good of a, of a candidate he is for the players or whatnot or for the sport of baseball, but we'll see. We might could dive into that later. Yeah. But. That's all the information I have. <laughs> I, I know one of the, the biggest deals that owners are pushing for is a free agent signing period. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the National League Cy Young still out there as a free agent. You know, Jordan Montgomery still out there as a free agent. But what's the one common denominator with those two? Or at least one of them. Just don't want too much money. Uh, I, think, I think both of their agents. Oh, Scott, Scott Boris? Yes. Yeah, what's what's he doing? I know I've seen stuff in the in the news and whatnot. What's what's the big news about that? Oh, just you know, Scott Boris, Scott Boris. He he is going to play this holdout game till its last second. Seems like oh, we, we need a guy. Well, he's right here. Here's the money. Yeah, you know, here's what they want. He's he has made a name for himself. I've seen I heard a lot of people being like, oh, I'm representing, I'm representing, I'm re-, you know, got probably a lot of guys on his books. But mm-hmm. then again, you get that what's best for you as an individual, you know, compared to the other 200, 300 guys that also has him as an agent, you know? So, I don't know. We'll see. Those big name, you know, like you said, still a few to land other places. But time will tell. Report dates when? Uh, well, pitchers and catchers reported the 14th. Yeah, two days ago? Yeah. Why do they make them report on a Wednesday? Valentine's Day, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I was playing. It was the 14th. I, I don't oh. get in there. I guess, you know, you get situated Wednesday. You show up. And Thursday, you're getting your stuff done. Friday, then by the, the weekend, you're going. Yeah. Mm. Well, big, big start for a lot of guys' futures. A lot of guys' legacies, you know, going to continue on this year. Can Rangers get back to another World Series back to back? Not that bullpen. Yeah, it's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. A lot can change over an off season, that's for sure. But yeah, well, NFL. Yes. NFL. Before we get into the Super Bowl, who would you take, Brady and Gronk or Mahomes and Kelsey? I don't know. I mean, Gronk was just a massive guy. I think Kels is more agile, um, more of a probably an all-around player to where I'd say if you put Gronk and Brady was more systematic and uh, Mahomes and Kels was more like athletic. But I just feel like 
I just feel like the systematic would be more Tom and Gronk just doing, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. most of the plays that succeeded from Mahomes and Kelsey was all busted plays or like plays that Kelsey just got wide open somehow by yeah. breaking, you know, breaking down to where uh, Brady and Gronk was like, we're running this route and it's going to work because we've done our homework, this and that. And I just yeah. think that that works more than the other one, but uh, they're, they're, they're neck and neck. I think, I mean, it's just two different styles of play. Yeah. But uh, I, I think you take the Super Bowl where the four of them showed off against each other. Gronk went off, and Kelsey didn't do crap. Yeah. You know, you, you take the the game the other night where was it Greenlaw that tore his Achilles? Yeah, that was awful. I felt I still yeah. feel bad for that dude. Kelsey wasn't doing anything because it was he had passed him off to Warner, or Warner passed him off to him. Whereas Gronk. Would still be able to get open. He's a big guy to move. Yeah, he's a big dude. I'd hate to tackle him. Oh, but and Brady knew he could throw the ball anywhere and Gronk can catch it. You do that to Kels, he's gonna get so mad that he basically shuts down for a little bit. Yeah, I hope that doesn't come back to hurt him because he is so emotional. Yeah. I mean Gronk to was me, emotional, but Brady knew how to control him. Yeah. To, him. to me, I'm taking Brady and Gronk. Uh, that's just that. That's what I'm taking. Yeah, and time could tell that Kelsey, Kelsey and uh, Mahomes have better stats. Yeah. But you know, it's just I think the the like I said the systematic wins over just being athletic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it's a good comparison. They're very close. I'd say they're very neck and neck. And you ask ten people, and five would say this way, five would say that way. So Gronk's the real eighty-seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's doing good for himself he's, he seems to be still entering into all the tv shows and brady's about to come in and be an announcer i think so he needs some money after all his divorces and in 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 nit whatever nft bad financial happening yeah bad financial <laughs> he might be announcing for a while uh, yeah. poor guy but I, i'm excited to see his take on stuff so get him on the old Peyton and Eli show where they just talk football, man, inside. Uh, I, I would really love to see either Brady and Olsen work together or Brady and Roma work together. Yeah, I you do. Know, like don't Olsen. kick Olsen out. Olsen does his homework every week. He knows what he's talking about. He's very knowledgeable. He's insightful. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just my personal opinion. I, I cringe every time I listen to Roma. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was singing on the at the Super Bowl. He was singing some song. I was like, what are we doing? I'm like, if you could sing, that's one thing, but you can't sing, bro. Like, just stop. You got a little sippy sippy, probably. I there. think he goes, like, I think what bothers me is that he just, like, goes off some random story to explain something, and we're all like, bro, we weren't there. We don't get the story. It was insignificant to whatever it was. Yes. And it's like, if you just report, if he, he does know his stuff. If he reports just what he sees and kind of says, this is why they do that, instead of saying, back when I was playing, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and everybody's like, dude, Come on. I don't know. I just I get, I get a little cringe when he starts talking about random yeah. stuff or singing on the as a at the Super Bowl. I'm like, <laughs> come on, dude. Come on. But he's doing good for himself. He's making a lot of money. So good on him. Good on him. So he, he, do you think that Super Bowl is different if 49ers knew the Super Bowl OT rules? Do you think winning the toss, they give Kansas City the ball and they take it second? I know people would want to speculate. I honestly don't 
think it would have a difference. I think just the way that Kansas City was momentum, mm-hmm. that it didn't matter. I mean, it might have changed. I mean, the only person that would have changed was the play calling, I guess, for Shanahan to go for it if he wanted to. But I think Kels said that if they scored, they were going to go for two. He said he didn't, yeah. didn't know if Reed wanted everybody to know that or not. But they were going for the win no matter what on one play and be done with it. But I honestly don't think it would have changed anything because they still got stopped. It was still too far to kind of fourth, – fourth down four or something, kind of almost too far to go. You take the points. Um, but I honestly don't think it had anything to change with it. But as a head coach, you got to tell your players. you got to give them all the information that you can to make their job easier on the play mm-hmm. or on the decision-making, saying we got to do this because this is our last chance or we got to do this because they give it, they get another chance. Um, it could have, but I really don't think it did. Honestly, it just was, it was going to end the way it was to where Kansas city made the stop. San Francisco couldn't. Yeah. And to me personally, I'm giving the other team the ball first. We get the stop. We know all we need the field goal. Yeah. They get a field goal. Okay. Hey, we just have to at least get a field goal. We get in that end zone. Well, they get a touchdown. Okay. A little more pressure. But yeah. you know what you have to do. Yeah. You know the end. But now you're sitting there thinking, like, oh, well, uh, we're on our heels. We can't give up this many yards. Um, what are we going to do? Plus, make Kansas City do it twice, twice in a row. Field goal, make them go down and drive it again. Mm-hmm. You know, see if they can make them do it two times in a row. Don't let their offense catch their breath. Yeah. You well, know, it's just like college football where they're OT. They want usually the other team to go first. Once they score or kick a field goal, they know what they got to do. Which, yeah. like I said, it could change. It could have changed things, but Kansas City, Kansas City still got the stop, and San Francisco couldn't stop them. So it came down to that, to where, like, but then again, Shanahan's lost three big games where he's been up ten plus, you know, in the last three. So it's starting to trend, you know, one by twenty-five. Yeah, <laughs> he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Then. And lost to Brady 25 to 3. It was start 25 to 3 and lost 28 to whatever, whatever the score was. They're up 28 to 3 at half. 23 half. And then, yeah. So, and, you know, your, your run game is working. So let McCaffrey fumble. The easiest way to beat Mahomes is keep running the ball, keep it out of his hands, keep him off the field. Why change your, your, your play calling? Yeah. You have. Freaking Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You got Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. You've got Debo Samuel in the rounds. Line those guys up. You're getting four yards a pop. Mm-hmm. Line them up. Run it. Well, if you think about it, too, how little McCaffrey fumbles it, mm-hmm. that if he just fumbled it, then he's a long ways away from fumbling it the next time. Uh-huh. You know, and you don't think that's in the back of his mind that he's going to hold on to it better this time. So if you look at it from that way, hey, he fumbled it once. He's probably not going to fumble it till game six of next year now. So like, uh-huh. that's another thing, too. And but Kansas seems- City being one of the worst run defenses, mm-hmm. run the dead gum ball. Well, it seems to be a common thread on all the teams that lost in the playoffs changed their identity of who they were mm-hmm. kind of going in, you know. Um, except for Detroit. Except for Detroit. They're the only exception. Um, their identity got them in trouble by always being aggressive. But yeah. that's who you are. That's living by, by that. No one's yeah. going to blame you. They might be criticizing him, but 
he's gonna he's got to live with it. He, I'm sure he sleeps well at night just knowing that he did what he want what they normally did all year. They didn't change who they were. Um, credit to him, but yeah. Baltimore averages what in the 30s on runs. Gave it to their backs a total of six times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, in your opinion, who is the MVP of that Super Bowl? I mean, you had two kickers that had the furthest distance ever in Super Bowl. One one kicked it and broke the record. Then the other one turned around and kicked it and broke his record in the same game. Would you have, like, six field goals? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, not easy field goals. No. But, uh, I mean, you, you're never going to give it to a kicker, but the guy probably scored the most points. I mean, more well, pressure kicking a field goal. Block, the other one doesn't. Yeah, well, it's it's more pressure kicking a field goal three six three or six times than catching one ball for a touchdown. You know, he's like, oh, he scored more points. Yeah, I mean, if a field goal is worth the same as a touchdown, the kicker should be 42 points, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I said, they're always going to give it to a quarterback or a running back. Uh, but if you don't have those three field goals or whatever, you're nowhere even near an overtime. Even a 57-yarder 57, 57 mm-hmm. on a field that looked kind of loose in a yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, I get it. They're professional athletes. That's what they're paid to do. But that is no easy task. No. And if you look at the side view, that ball was, what, an inch, two inches from being blocked? Yeah. One was actually blocked. Uh, uh, 49ers extra yeah. point, was it? Yeah. Extra point. But you look at that 57-yard field goal, and you look at a different angle, it was actually an inch or two from being blocked. Yeah. He had some insane stats, too, um, all year. I was trying to look them up. So, regular season. No, Butker? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to find it all. Oh, I pulled up Jimmy Butler instead of Buck. <laughs> um, wrong sport. I, I was reading it. And I was like, why are these not making sense? Field goal percentage, 27 of 38. Uh, what? Yeah. He uh, 94.3 field goal percentage all year. Uh, he was 35 or 33 for 35. So, yeah. And that's. And he, like, didn't miss any from 50 plus. Yeah, it was something insane, especially playoffs. I think he was, like, perfect in playoffs or something like that. Um, it was crazy, though. But just to have that in your back pocket, where I think San Francisco was kind of on the negative side of kicking because their guys missed a couple in the last two or three day, or two or three games, um, I felt like they would have been more aggressive to go for it, knowing that their kicker has missed a couple, had one block, all the above. But... Yeah, 33 for 35. You know if you're within the 40-yard line, you got three points on the board. So that's always nice to know. Um, Yeah, that was his actual best year was this year, 33 for 35. Last year had a rough year, 18 for 24. Um, But he's been right around the 90% mark other than last year. He was sitting at 75%. So kudos to him for coming back and having a great year and probably securing himself another uh, contract, longer contract. For sure. Yeah, he's... 
Bucker has a 62-yard field goal as the longest in Arrowhead Stadium history. Um, and then you said he had a 1-57 one in the Super Bowl. Please, so. So it's pretty vital to have a kicker like that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Shanahan firing his defensive coordinator after one year after the Super Bowl because he felt it was a defensive letdown. In what world, Kyle, is that a defensive letdown? You had your one of your main linebackers go down, and your team never gave up. Yeah, they got disheartened. Yeah, it happens because he's a staple of your defense. Yeah, but your defense didn't let you down. They were like top three. Play calling let you down. Yeah, they were like top three all year, weren't they? San Francisco. Like that, yeah. Uh, Someone's head had to roll, and I think it was sacrifice. Um, well, here's the deal. Why not the special teams coach, whose special team player is the one responsible for a t- for a touchdown? Mm-hmm. That was the difference in that game. That play doesn't happen. Kansas City loses. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like I said, someone had to be had to be let go, and I guess with Shanahan's reputation and contract it had to be in somebody else and he they said choose somebody but again i don't know then i think there's gonna be a lot more come out about that yeah he needs to take a long hard look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and say okay look i just need to be a head coach i need to get an offensive coordinator yeah you can make you, you can have your hands in on the offensive game plan all you want to but give up the coordinator yeah, like I said, I think a lot more is going to come out about that. I know there's a lot of people that aren't happy about that firing and how good of a job he did to get fired, you know. And it, there's one guy talking about it, and he said it sounds like it could be just uh, he didn't say yes to the right people enough or, you know, some kind of, of conflict with a relationship inside, you know. And they just said, we need to get rid of this guy because he's not, you know, something something's wrong on the internally, not what he did as a job for the 49ers. It was something behind the scenes that possibly probably led to his firing where they're like, Hey, he's a cancer in the locker room. We got to get rid of him or, you know, he's not listening enough or wants to do, he argues too much or something, you know, something. I feel like there's a lot more that's going to come out. And yeah. we'll, I think, I think with time we'll tell if, if why the main reason why he was fired. Yeah. Cause it seemed just like a cop out to me. Oh, he just wasn't the right fit. He just wasn't, you know, right fit. You're top three in the NFL. I don't care if he's, you know, if he comes in with polka dots, he's going to be the right fit if you're top you know, two or three in the yeah. NFL. So, I don't know. I think a lot more is going to come up with that that's going to be to figure out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's wild. But um, do you have anything else on NFL? Is that nope. about it? Uh, we'll, hit up, we'll hit up the preseason uh, baseball and softball real quick and then go to your feel good story and call it a day. We're, we're rocking almost close to two hours now. So hey, we're rolling just, just a lot. I told you we had a lot to do. We good thing. We didn't add it to the last episode. Cause it was going to be on top of the last episode, which was already an hour and a half. So <laughs> we've been talking for a while, but, um, happy opening baseball season. Go cards. Got all, that's why I got all my gear on, you know, mom, all shirt, all that. They're down in Florida. Uh, good luck to coach Mac and their crew former Louisville guy. Um, 
good luck this season. Just want to give them a shout out. Uh, but I got the rankings. We'll start with the softball. Why is my photos not up? Okay. Let me guess. OU. Congratulations. <laughs> they're looking for, I think, a four-peat. I think they're looking for a four-peat. Um, Oklahoma, hometown, yeah, home state school. I love them. Uh, rooting for a four-peat. They did lose their main pitcher. She transferred to Nebraska, and you just found out tore her ACL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks, man. She was good, too. She was like a freshman or sophomore or something, wasn't she? I think, she, I think she's becoming a junior. Junior. I think so, but yeah, I actually saw the video and it just like her knee buckles. She goes straight down. It was just on the landing on a pitch. Um, mm-hmm. She said, which I understand, she wanted to be closer to family. She thinks she's from Nebraska. Wanted to be closer to family. I did see where she was dating a Nebraska football player, so she wanted to be probably closer to him. I'm like, I mean, you can't make it one more year and win another national championship. I was like, national championship boyfriend. Right? You can see him in a few months anyway, you know, so. I hate it for her that she went up there and then got hurt, man. That just that's sickening. Yeah. And um, hopefully she gets a speedy recovery, gets a gets a medical, and gets to play two more years, right? Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Oklahoma, number one. They went sixty-one and one last year. Um, they're ranked first, looking for a four-peat. They're going to be the fan or the heavy favorite. They're building them a new stadium, and it's going to be. It's, oh, yeah. it's looking nice. It's looking oh, nice. Yeah. When, when we were up there last, I saw that. I was like, ooh, that looks sharp. Yeah, which deserving. You win, you've win. you won more championships than any sport on campus in the last 10 years. You should get the best. You know, you should get the best. Mm-hmm. Um, second place is Stanford, uh, 47 and 15 last year record. And this is what's amazing. This is what blows my mind. First place, 61-1 last year, final standing. Stanford, who's ranked two this year, their final standing was 47 and 50. They lost 15 games. That's how big of a gap between first and second is. Uh, but it's it's difficult to do year by year. So hopefully they go back. Uh, Tennessee's at third with a f- last year's record of 51 and 10. Florida State's fourth with a record of 58 and 11 last year. Texas comes in at five with a 45, 15 and one record last year. Six is Georgia, 42 and 15. Seven, Clemson, 49-12. Duke, eight, uh, with 48-12. Coming in ninth is UCLA with a 52-7. And And then wrapping up the top 10 is Washington with a last year record of 44-15. So, like I said, they're they're on and rolling uh, right now. So, So the current rankings, have you seen those? That's what I was going to look up next. I got it right here. Hit it up. One through 10. Oh, Wait, let, me hold, let me pull the old one up and see how. Oh, he's number three. Really? Yeah. Four They've been one. beaten. I'm just kidding. No. I was about to say. I was like, <laughs> I feel like it would have been big news though. You got beat. Okay. What? Well, OU four and zero. Tennessee three and zero. Texas five and zero. Georgia five and zero. Florida State four and one. Washington three and one. Clemson four and one. Oklahoma State Cowgirls five and zero. There you go. Stanford three and two. Duke three and one. Well, Stanford dropped from second and went down because mm-hmm. they're three and two. Uh, yeah, I like to see. I think it would be awesome. I wish last year would have worked out to where uh, Oklahoma State was on the opposite side. Yeah. But what they do there, they do it. They do it different than men's baseball, to where once you lose, you go to the other side of the bracket. They swap you. I'm pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure if I if I if I'm right, um, like first round is two teams play two teams, mm-hmm. four teams on each side, and I think the losers of each one swap and play the winners of each one. So even if they were on opposite sides, it'd have to be Oklahoma State and Oklahoma on the same side to begin with. Yeah, they meet in the semis, lose out and swap sides, and then end up Oklahoma State or Oklahoma comes back and gets into the national championship. I thought it'd be cool if you had an OU OSU. Heck yeah. Meeting in Oklahoma City, it's an hour for either team to meet in Oklahoma City from the north, one from the south, and you're meeting in the middle of Oklahoma for the for the World Series champion. I thought that'd be poetic. That'd be the yeah. ultimate bedlam right there. That would be. You know how packed that stadium would be? Oh, man. You know, they already like add some. Highways would be? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't find parking for miles. That'd be insane. Yeah. They'd, have, they'd have watch parties with jumbotrons outside. Like, just yeah. ridiculous. We're talking about, like, if – um Alabama and Auburn made it to the national championship and they held the championship like in between uh the two colleges you know that's what we're talking about softball wise but yeah it'd be epic I'm excited to see some softball always enjoy some softball might have to we could probably meet up and watch some softball if you want yeah maybe meet up there I'd be game I went I did go to the World Series game one time about five or six years ago and it's just a electric atmosphere you know it's just a smaller stadium it's, it's still a lot of people in a small stadium and they're right on top of you and it just seems like it's just more intense because it's so small and everybody's on top of each other and it's pretty exciting stuff so softball's been prevalent making a name for itself in the last four or five years and yeah they've been some pretty fun games to watch especially in the uh, college world series women's college world series um excited for that to get going we'll jump over to baseball uh like i said starting today i know my my uh, cards are playing down in, in Florida right now, uh, but I'll do the rankings and then where the final ranking was last year, record and final ranking last year. So coming in at first, Wake Forest, uh, the last year record was 54-12. and 12. They finished third last year. Florida second with a 54-17, finishing second last year behind LSU. Arkansas coming in at three with a 43-18 last year, finishing 16 uh lsu national champions are at four with a 54 and 17 finishing at one last year tcu go frogs 44 and 24 last year finishing fifth at six they got vandy with a 42 and 20 record last year they finished 19th uh seven you got oregon state with a 41 and 20 record last year they finished at 23 texas a&m jumping at eight with a 38 and 27 record they weren't rated they didn't finish unranked last year uh, Tennessee finished uh, at nine with a 44-22 record. They finished seventh last year, and Clemson wrapping out the top ten. Their record was 44-19 and finished 18th last year ranked. So a lot of SEC teams in there. I think you got one, two, three, four, five, six of the top ten are SEC teams. So Wake Forest has been up there recently. They just can't get over that hump. I think they had the dumpiest looking turf on a field ever. It just looks grungy. Yeah. Uh, but they've had some sluggers, and they they look good. And I don't know if they can get over that hump or not. Uh, Arkansas being right up the road from where I live at, I plan on getting to see a couple of those games. Um, they built a new indoor, which is going to bring more recruits. They're just going to get better and better each year. Uh, you got Vandy, who's always in the mix. I don't know who you'd who you'd pick right now. Like baseball is different, man. It's a it changes probably day to day, game to game. Yeah. Ranking, yeah, probably have a new ranking 
after a Wednesday game, after a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday game, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know they usually they start off with a tournament and something like that, and, and they like to throw rankings out after the tournaments. And to, to me, tournaments are they're, they're preseason for baseball. Yeah. I mean, do you think you should start ranking with the tournament? Because you're just now getting your feet under you. You're, you're kind of warming up for your season. With what tournament? What are you talking about? The like, like the pre like the the start of your NCAA tournaments that they have. You know, <sighs> have like like Texas and Oklahoma State and those oh, guys yeah, go yeah, down yeah. to Houston or someone will go over here. And... I love those because you get like top five teams playing each other and whatnot, yeah. and you really see who's who. But you're going to be a totally different team by the end of the year. Um, but, but like uh, a, a number one and number two. To me, personally, I don't think I'm going to throw my big dog at them so they're not like, yeah. when we see, we see you again in the playoffs. You got stats not, on them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird, but I do. I would enjoy it as a fan seeing, hey, number three, Arkansas playing a number eight, Vandy, or, you know, number two, Florida playing a number seven or number one, Wake Forest. You know, so I I would like it, but, like, rankings, it, it's going to change. I mean, if you lose one or two games in that tournament – and then yeah. you come back and reel off 18 in the next regular season, yeah. you're going to be back up there in the rankings. You're not going to drop too far, especially it's just like college football where you get to see these four versus five playing each other. Mm-hmm. You'll benefit from winning, but also if you lose that early, you have all year to come back. So it's – it's and, and that's what I'm saying. That we're not penalizing the, the team ranking in the tournament. I'm saying like, okay, you have your rankings when you're going into that tournament. Like Wake Forest goes in and – Loses to LSU. I mean, I don't think Wake Forest should drop. Yeah. I, I don't think they should lose a Remy. It's a tournament. You're getting ready for your season. Um, yeah, automatically you become like the last seed of the tournament. Okay, I get that. But you're still, when season really kicks off and you're playing the bulk of your schedule, you're still going to start. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just me. I don't know. Well, I think the benefit, too, of playing in those is when they do that tournament style, it gets you used to regionals. Yeah. It gets you used to super regions when you get to the championship but then again the world series is literally just a regional with a super regional involved yeah. in it so it, i think it gets you ready for that kind of ball where i was, talk, I was reading about coach mac that louisville he said there's four teams there they're going to play it kind of like a regional mm-hmm. you got their fans in the stands while you're playing and their teams are waiting for the next game so it's kind of yeah. like it gets you it gets you ready for that playoff motion because when you're playing during the week it's just one game you go home yeah. one game you go home so this gets you kind of for that tournament ball. And I think I think it's beneficial for their kids to get used to that quick turnaround. Hey, we play another game mm-hmm. against a top ranked opponent right away. We got to win or we go home, you know, type thing. So I think they're beneficial for sure. Ranking wise might not be beneficial. Who knows? Yeah. But no, I, I think love really, the tournament. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That was my favorite thing in college ball is like, okay, we got our our start of the season tournament coming up. Who we got coming in? Oh, we got Youngstown State. We got Oral Roberts. We got, you know, whoever. It's like, okay, yeah, this yeah. is fun. Yeah, but excited for that to get kicked off and get going and getting to see where teams stand, you know. Um, pretty excited. Usually you see your southern teams benefit more because they weren't inside as long. Yeah. And then finally, if there are some good northern teams, they start picking it up late in the year. So we'll see. And if you haven't been to the Coswell Series watch game, I'd strongly encourage it. It's a blast of an atmosphere, and they're doing it right in Omaha. So if you haven't done it, I've heard a coworker of mine said he just booked his tickets to go watch some games. I said – I'm jealous, man. I haven't been back up there since we went in 2013. So I'd love to get back up there and watch a few games, especially if I have some teams that I know get into it, you know, like a TCU or OSU or 
OU or Louisville or in Arkansas, you know, just some of those teams make it. I'd definitely be fun to go up there and make a quick trip and see a couple games. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You got uh you got to feel good on top of a tragedy tragedy, you know, kind of so as we had started the the start of our episode, you know, we had the unfortunate shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, twenty three uh, shot, one killed, twenty one, you know, hospitalized. Uh, I don't know any more numbers. I hadn't looked at it or seen anything else. Uh, yeah, I think they said like eight to ten of them were kids, which is super unfortunate. Yeah, but we had two kind of unsung heroes per se. Uh, Andy Reid and Chiefs offensive lineman Trey Smith yeah. sheltered children and comforted uh, comforted them during the parade shooting. Um, you, you know, Trey said right before I run in there, there's a little kid in front of me, so I just grabbed him and yanked him up and said, you're hopping in here with me, buddy. I don't know how many people were in the closet, maybe 20 plus. So, I mean, just grabbing kids, grabbing people and pulling them into some sort of security closet or using it as a security blanket, per se. And, you know, Andy was was comforting everybody. You know, he was hugging his offensive lineman, just, are you okay? Are you okay? Just please breathe. You know, he was, you know, letting everybody know everything's going to be okay. We're here together. You know, so it's, it, it, it's things like that where people that are being put on that pedestal and you know, we're celebrating y'all they're like no 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 we're here to help you all come on let's go let's get to safety yeah. well that's that's just humans being humans man that's the good side of the humans being humans where the event happened because of humans being humans on the bad side and i hate to see that kids have to go through that kids have to remember that what what they saw you know things like that i feel bad for them and some kids should never have to see but I'm glad that there are people out there that still, you know, like those guys tackling the guy, the Chiefs players pulling in player kids, you know, the, the, I think the human soul for good always wins out, but uh, it's a cool story just, but of the midst of tragedy, which you hate to hear, but just sucks up there praying for all them and hopefully for speedy recoveries for everyone that's in the hospital. So let me, let me see if I can find any other news on this real quick. Uh, two juveniles charged in the shooting. Yeah. Um, really, that that's so. I guess no new news is good news as far yeah. as. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. But well, we'll keep them updated on that. Um, solid, solid episode, man. Two hours worth. <laughs> so hopefully our viewers get to listen. We did start a Facebook. I'm going to try to get some photos and videos posted on that soon. Um, I think a lot of our viewers use Facebook and can join us there. It's just High Heat Podcast Facebook page. It's just High Heat Podcast. Just look for that, but it's on Facebook. Um, hopefully, we can start putting our videos up there, and you can click on the link and get sent to Spotify. Uh, just send some updates. It's just another way to link in with us, and you could probably ask us more questions on that one. So, all about it. Heck yeah, good episode, like always. Solid. We'll get this uh, thing edited and out soon. <laughs> I think uh, this is going to books is our longest one, which is always yeah. fun. You know, we had a lot of good stuff to talk about. It really flowed nicely. And yeah, what do we say? Episode eighteen now? Eighteen? Uh, sure. Quick turnaround. Quick turnaround. Yeah. About four or five days ago. So yeah. yeah. All right, we'll be be looking for this to come out soon and go check out our Facebook page. Go at us. Sure. Let me we'll, let me go look at our Facebook. Uh, on Facebook, I'm going to add everybody back that adds us. So automatic friends. <laughs> Let's see our last one. 
Well, January 12th was episode 16. 17 just came out. Yeah. So, yeah, this was 18. Yeah. Yeah. So. Heck yeah, uh, dude. Good chatting. We'll get some more on your uh, knee next episode. Update on that. Absolutely. Just a little meniscus. Nothing else major. So. Four months. Uh, if they get in there and they find something, they're like, oh, we'll take it out. It's like three to four weeks. They go in there, they fix it up, and it's like till first week or so of June. Gotcha. Well, we'll be praying for the three to four weeks. So. Same with your elbow. Hope it's better. Yeah. We'll keep them updated. Heck All yeah. right, buddy. Good talking to you. You too. Bye.